Suffice to say, Bondi Jack has not been a Marcus Thorne as fan and is happy that he was admitted from Australia's ODI scores. I've just tidied up that text ever so slightly. Thank you for that, Bondi Jack. Welcome back, everyone. Second hour of the program, Julian King in the chair on SEN Summer Mornings, and it is great to have your company wherever you're tuned in on 11.70am in Sydney. SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 16.20 on the Gold Coast, just ticked past four minutes after nine o'clock there north of the Tweed. And across the globe via the SEN app, the open line number, we'll get to your calls in a moment, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and the text line 0457 736 736. We're going to chat all things tennis with our resident tennis expert, Brett Phillips, on the program. You know what I'm going to do in the, in the next hour of the program? Because we won't have a guest out of 11. I'm going to run a cricket quiz. Now, I don't know what prizes we have. Might have an old Makita hat. But really, it's all about the glory, isn't it? And I won't make them easy. So I'll give you a couple of teasers at the back end of this hour. We're going to run a cricket quiz out of 11. Have a bit of fun as well on summer mornings. And we've got to pick our tune. Totally forgot about that. We're coming off a high base from yesterday, Boom Crash Opera at Onion Skin. So I'll have a think about that. Happy to take your suggestions too. We're talking about cricket selections, of course. Uh, still a hot topic. Plenty of people still having their say about the Bancroft snub, for want of a better word. The Green Selection, Smith opening, Renshaw and the squad and the rest of it. And big improvers, players and teams in the National Rugby League for season 2024. Now, Maestro, I need to ask you a very important question. Good morning to you. How are you, Jules? Oh, I'm very well. So yesterday I mentioned during one of the ad breaks, I annihilated a punter of blackberries, and they were sweet. And it's always a lottery with the blackberries, right? You pop the lid, and they could be very tart, or they could be very sweet. The berries have been second to none, and very affordable too, in this cost of living crisis. If you had a choice of only consuming one berry for the rest of your life out of a strawberry, a blackberry, and a blueberry, where are you going? Oh, very tough question. And without notice, I might add to the listeners, but I'll go blueberry. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, you can just put them away. You can you? drink them almost, <laughs> can't you? You can drink a punter of blueberries. If you get good ones as well, they got that nice, they're just firm enough on the outside and then they just melt in your mouth. They're uh, mm. terrific at this oh. time of year. Yeah, I'm with you. Great minds think alike. Chuck would probably say something idiotic. Breezy. So I don't raspberries know if I'll ask into a question about like that. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Let's, let's throw raspberries as well. Okay, so I reckon if you had a choice of berry, you could only pick one to consume the rest of your life. I'm with you, blueberry. Mm. Raspberry, a, close a second though. I, I do yeah, like Yeah, they're them. pretty good. Pretty good. It's a real Sophie's choice. So thank you. Let's chew on that. Morning, Jules. Barat is one of the nicest people you'll meet around the media and the cricket world. I've had a little bit to do with him at the SCG. He's a gentleman, a friendly person who has time and respect for all. Love the show. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, true words never spoken. He's just a, a beautiful human being. Barat, he wears his bright, colourful clothing. And as I said, if you haven't heard his chat with Howie in the Howie Games, um, quite a revelation about his drug overdoses and the rest of it and how he dug himself out of that to become the person he is. And he said to Virat, and this is why the players love him, you know, the way he talks to Virat Kohli is no different to the way he would talk to his Uber driver. He's just, he's a people person. He'll have a beer with anyone. Thank you, Joel. To the open line we go, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, mate. How are you? Really well. That's way. <clears throat> hey, mate, just a, well, a couple of things. So, Obviously, we're talking about the um, the hot the hot cricket topic, and and just something sort of popped into my mind with, with, with the with the with the the news that you know, George Bailey or Pat Cummins called Cam Bancroft, uh. and the, the thing that came to my mind was that isn't isn't that normally something that happens when someone thinks maybe they've made the wrong choice, or they've chosen a, they've made a choice that doesn't go along with with the criteria of someone. To be eligible for a certain position. What's your thoughts so, on that? 
Sorry, can you just just say that again, Darren? I've just lost you a bit. So you're saying that the call to somebody that didn't get picked? Yeah, yeah. I think it's great that Pat Cummins picked up the phone and called oh, Cam Bancroft. Yeah. Um, but but in in a lot of walks of life, whether it be you know professional or sporting or otherwise, if if that call feels like it needs to be made, well, why does it need to be made? Does it need to be made, need to be made because you know you you've ticked all the boxes to get the decision, but you haven't haven't got it? Or... Well, look, look. you could argue the point as to whether it needs to be made because he wasn't in the team in the first place. And they say, well, yeah. you weren't in the Australian team and you're still not in the Australian team. Why do we owe you a call? But I think it's it's a matter of courtesy too, but it lets other players, not just Bancroft, but those that have aspirations to play for the country to know that, well, there's a line of communication to say, okay, well, if not picked, what do I need to do? Right? You, you want yeah. a, and, a, a clear and, channel and of communication. Amazing, but I'm... That... Yep. Yeah, and that's amazing. But I'm, but I'm thinking, okay, so... Yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this 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 call needs to be made because the guy's been the highest run scorer in, in, in cricket for in Shield cricket for the last two years because he averages it mm. in the mid fifties because he does all the things that you need to do that no one else is doing to get yourself a spot on the team and you haven't got it so well shit yeah maybe, maybe I should give that guy a call yeah I can't disagree with that. Because, you know, George Bailey mentioned it as well. He was in the conversation. We did consider it. Good on you. Uh, thank you for that, Darren. A quick one before we get to Brett Phillips. James, g'day. Hey, Julian. Um, all this talk in the Australian cricket team, um, no one's ever bothered thinking about it. What about Kawaja and Carey? You know, they're guys left out. If they have the team have a bowling dinner for the bowlers, you're going to have Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, Lyons, then throw in Green, then throw in Marsh, then throw in Head, then throw in Lavishay, then throw in Smith. We've got nine test bowlers <laughs> in the side. <laughs> Guys, can you imagine what's going to happen and put Pat Cummins and they are going to have a change of bowler? Everyone's going to put, be putting their hands up saying, pick me, pick me, I want to bowl. The poor guy, you know. And then there's Kawaja and Kerry going, well, well what do we do? That's what it was. They'll be like, you know what they'll be like, James? They'll be like that Garfield, that sort of suction cap to the window, like peering through, saying, what about us? Yeah, they'll be I can, all stuck in there going, oh. I can. Let me tell you this. In his test match career, Usman Khawaja's bowled three overs, but only conceded eight runs. So he's played 69 matches, three overs, none for eight. Economy rate of 2.66. Not the worst, though, Japes, is it? Not the worst at all. No, I mean, I think Carey's got to have to... Imagine taking Carey goes, oh, can I have a bowl? Take the gloves off so we can have, then we can have 10, 11 test bowlers in one side. <laughs> well, we did see it, didn't I? think it might have been at Hobart with Matthew Wade who threw the gloves off. Um, so it's not unprecedented. Good on you, James. Thank you. Good to get your thoughts. 0457 736 736. As we bring in Brett Phillips from SEN's First Serve and the Nine Network as well. Do you remember BP? And I think it might have been when Roger was coached by the the eminent Tony Roach. And it was, I can't remember, it was a lead-up tournament. And the ball came through and he mm. played like a cricket shot. Beautiful high elbow, straight down on the ball. And I thought, this guy is so abundantly talented. that he did have an yeah. Aussie connection, of course. Um, you know, he, he maybe could have been a handy cricketer, Roger. You just feel like he could have been good at absolutely anything uh, with um, uh, racket in hand or just, you know, so well coordinated. Yeah, <laughs> anything, anything, Jules, a freak. Roger, I still miss him. I still miss him. I used to bump Roachie when I lived in Taramara and City's North Shore 
And nobody really recognised, well, this is the great Tony Roach. He'd walk into the news agency, still had the tennis gear on. That's the thing with the elder statesman of the tennis world. They still rock up, walk around in the tennis shorts and, you know, maybe the dunny yep. volleys. And, by the, I, and I, I was too nervous to... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think he and Yvonne Gulagong are the two of the most humble people you will ever meet who do not seek yeah. any fanfare, who love the game. But, uh, yeah, Tony Roach... Um, Hard, hard pressed to get him for an interview. Uh, he uh. doesn't like to pump up his own tyres, even though he's such a still um, integral part of Australian tennis. But yeah, yeah. an enormous yeah. job. My, my late uncle was a, a wonderful junior tennis player. He came through the ranks with Wally Massill back in the day, and his idol was Jimmy Connors. And and he'd sort of record and listen to everything Jimmy said. And he remembered an interview where Jimmy just marvelled, and Jimmy was a prolific baseliner, of course, marvelled at. Roachy's backhand volley. He said it was the most beautiful shot in tennis. There you go. Yeah, the good old yeah. days. Uh, we never get sick the... of uh, recalling them or, or watching them. Uh, that's for sure. That is true. Okay, America's best hope, we think, for a US Open title. Jess Pagula, uh, a bit of a ski yesterday at Adelaide BP. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, it took on Bernardo Pera. I mean, you know, the lucky loser... Uh, is uh, you know you shouldn't look at that the two L's and the in the brackets next to a player because uh, many a tournament throughout a year a lucky loser or a qualifier uh, are very capable of having good runs. I mean she'd actually been as high as twenty seven in the world. I mean she dipped out. A lot of players yo yo inside their top one hundred. They're not quite good enough to reach the top twenty, and they'll have a spike and then they can go back the other way. And you know probably the difference in the end is that Pagula just you know kept more balls in play once she got her range going and got into the match. She was a bit flat early. And, Pera was swinging hard as the lefties do, and everything was sort of connecting. But you know, you, you can that match. I think illustrated to me more than maybe any match I've watched the difference between a top flight player and Bagula is top ten, even though she's some way off. I think winning a major compared to the other big three around her, big four with Coco in there now, and the players who are ranked fifty to hundred, they they can rally for a while, but then that player lower rank just loses patience. They just can't have the discipline. To keep engaged in a you know in a big rally, and they'll just misfire and shank balls, and then you see that unforced error column uh, go up. So that was probably the difference. Bagula found a way uh, yesterday on a a day where yeah, obviously we had one Aussie go through, Chris O'Connell. He was uh, clinical yeah. out on show court three, and he's going to be on centre court uh, today, eleven thirty on nine, taking on uh, Seb Corder, who is starting to find a little bit of form now after that first round loss in Brisbane. So. Yeah, obviously for Chris, I mean, trying to get through to a, a third ATP semi-final, and if everything can click, I give him a chance against Corder, even though, gee, Sebastian yesterday was timing it beautifully at on show court one. But what a yeah, what a great matchup for O'Connell to see if he can have a, his deepest run at one of these tour events. That would be nice. So he knocked off Alexander Shevchenko. Uh, Jordan Thompson, Alex Boltley mentioned that they felt to the fourth seed, Massetti, and the first seed, Tommy Paul, respectively. So no, I guess huge surprised with regards to those results just just very quickly on those two what have you made of, of their lead up to the Australian Open and what sort of impact can they have I guess a lot depends too on on who they fare or who they come up against when the draw is released later today yeah well for Geordie just a little concern last night he did, he did have a, a medical timeout, and I think maybe <laughs> the effects of Brisbane and playing that long matching as Nadal he was you know, getting that quad worked over a lot it's certainly, uh, and he's such a great competitor, but it just hampered him a little bit in that second set. And he got off court pretty quickly, uh, knowing that, OK, I've got a few days here to get myself right. Don't want to miss the Australian Open. So, 
yeah, just feeling a, a bit of a strain. We'll just keep an eye on that. And, you know, I think for O'Connell, for Thompson, for all our uh, players who are ranked around that 40 to 80, I mean, they just need kind draws. But, yeah, we'll be able to dissect that a little better uh, later on today and trying to forecast the Aussie prospect because, uh, you know, they, they could draw one of the absolute you know, guns of the sport in round one, which uh, makes the assignment really difficult. Speaking of guns of our sport, Carlos Alcaraz, how much stock do you take in exhibition games or charity games, BP? The Demon got a win over Carlos last night. I'm not sure you, you banked that, do you? Well, look, he missed a few balls that I can tell you Carlos wouldn't be missing uh, come yeah. Grand Slam tennis. So he was getting a few cobwebs at his first run hit. And look, it's great we can have these little exos, you know, prior to an Australian Open. People who might be able to afford to. You know, the lofty uh, ticket prices sometimes on RLA, they can get along for 10 bucks and see you know, a couple of the young guns of the sport. And, uh, you know, I mean, Alcaraz, you know, will be better for the run, better for the hit. But look, for Alex, I mean, it's just the confidence he gets out of just beating another good player, regardless of the format. You know, he's beaten four top 10 players and he's feeling good. And that's the most important thing. He feels like he can play with these guys. But, you know, uh, for Alex, uh, once again, we look at the draw today and we, we, you know, plot how far he can go. I mean, we've said fourth round, quarter final, that's got to be the aim. And But beating those players, maybe he's, I mean, that inner self-belief is huge, as we know, Jules, for sports people. And maybe he's now got the belief that, well, no, maybe I can actually win this thing. So if he's got that mm. mentality, who knows what can happen over the next uh, fortnight. And uh, Novak and friends along uh, tonight. That's the next little charity match. I think that's live on... Uh, Channel 9 at 7.30, so the 10-time champion will uh, entertain the crowd with um, some surprise special guests. Did I understand that. Oh, I saw a tweet, I think, is it Kyrgios going to be doing some courtside interviews with Novak, did I read? That might be a rather interesting yeah, watch. Best of chums, best, best of chums <laughs> uh, going uh, head-to-head. Uh, it's amazing that, that uh, the, the uh, bromance there is uh, mm. something we couldn't have forecasted. Wasn't always away. Even when, when Rafa had you know, withdrawn and Nick says, Oh, that's such terrible news, Rafa. Rest up, mate. I hope you recover soon. You know, there's a, there was a bit of an animosity between those two at one stage as well. Um Kuyong, very quickly, Tiafo went down to his Chinese opponent, but I, I caught the first set yesterday, Brett, of uh Rune and Kachinov. It's I want to get your thoughts on those two. It was a bit of a slug fest, hot conditions of course. So it's sort of hard to get a read on whether these guys can can challenge for the title at the Australian Open. Well, I think Runa has got the bigger upside. You know, Hutchinov's yeah. uh, been inside the top 10. He's dipped back out, but he's also come back closer towards the top 10. And, you know, on a hard court, I mean, he made that semi-final in New York a couple of years ago, and he's capable. A little more one-dimensional. Holger's a little bit more all-court dynamic. Um, so, look, he's... I'm confident to say that Holger Runa one day will win a major. Uh, how many? I don't know. But he is... He's cut of... Uh, a very different cloth to, you know, a lot of these guys who we've sort of almost gone past, uh, you know, Zverev and Berrettini, uh, you know, Andre Rublev, perennial quarterfinalist, Sitsipas maybe starting to fall into that category. But Runa's special. Elkares is special. Sinner is special. Ben Shelton is special. What they're going to emerge into and what it's going to look like, it's really hard to crystal ball right now. They're probably going to share the spoils a little bit. And... It's an exciting time for men's tennis, but yeah, Holger is a is a different beast, and he is a little volatile. He's got a touch of the McEnroe's about him, but he plays a great game to watch. <laughs> he's on edge, but he's so driven, this kid, that um, he's going to achieve some pretty good success in the sport. 
Just a quick text before we go, 206. JK and BP, Roger would have been good at milking cows, uh, well, probably, but he was gifted a cow. Do we know if he still has the cow? Well, apparently in the paddock over there in uh, in Switzerland. Yeah, that's, that's the Swiss <laughs> Open. They give you a cow, can you believe? Uh, it wow. comes out and... <laughs> so if you, were, if you or I, or Australians, we win a cow, how, how do we get that back to Australia? Very good question, Jules. You're, yeah, you know, I know. Donate it to morning. Roger's farm yeah. and go and visit it once a year. That might be the way to go. <laughs> exactly. All right, mate, I think you. a lot of prices. I think a lot of prices actually don't come home. <laughs> they yep. look good at the ceremony, yep. and you get you get the miniature version. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, you can drink from all sorts of cups. I suppose technically you could drink from a cow as well. We'll let you go, Brett. Thank you so much. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thank you. Cheers. There he is, Brett Phillips from the SEN's The First Serve and the Nine Network, 0457 736 736. So, yeah, he's still got the cow, Roger. Reckon he milks it himself, doesn't he? What about boysenberries, says Jules. Love boysenberry ice cream. Stu, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was talking about this the other day. Remember when I say back in our day, and I'm assuming we're a symbol of vintage, where the fanciest ice cream you got was either boysenberry, like a boysenberry swirl or a rum and raisin, and that was it. Then, you know, mum would buy the, the Neapolitan, you know, the choc vanilla and strawberry. Vanilla was always the last to go, let's be honest. But the fancy ice cream, that was the boysenberry or the rum and raisin. Now you get every bloody flavour under the sun. But has anybody seen boysenberries in a form other than ice cream? I, I don't think I've ever seen them in a fruit shop. Just a boysenberry. Yeah, just give me 200 grams of boysenberries, please. I've only ever seen boysenberry in ice cream form. If you have seen them outside, please let me know. Let me know where I can get them because I'd be curious to try them. Uh, Jules, with the West Indies in the country, it has to be dreadlock holiday. Ah, for the play-out song of 11, Joel, an outstanding choice. I know Pearl wants a bit of Journey, Don't Stop Believing. I'm a bit sick of that song, though, Pearl, so I'm not sure I've got to play it, but uh, normally I respect your musical taste. And he said that's for all the NRL fans ahead of the new year. For the JBT, Jules Bangin' Tunes. I do like that. On the subject of replacing opening batsman, Matt Short for the Strikers has put his hand up for the T20 squad. What an extraordinary talent Laurie Evans is for the Scorchers. Yeah, he is. He's not Aussie, though. He can hit him, too. Sort of guy that'll close off a match in three or four shots. Sort of player he is, Laurie Evans. And Bryce from Yapoon, morning to you. Blackberry pie is the best fruit pie by a mile. I'm trying to think if I've ever had a blackberry pie, Bryce. Because there are not a lot of people that love fruit but don't like hot fruit. So I won't have apple pies if they're hot. Things like that. Me, I'm more than happy to. With a dollop of boysenberry ice cream. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Keep the text coming in. 0457 736 736. You're on summer mornings.